Let's see, yeah. Tony, is that you? I can see at the back there. Yeah, you, Tony. Would you mind standing up? You're not going to do it. It's nothing embarrassing, honestly. I'd just like you to think for a moment. I don't tell anyone, just keep it to yourself, of a number between 1 and 10. You got that? And now, if you could multiply that number by 9. Okay, and then add those two digits together. So if it was 45, it would be 4 plus 5 equals 9. Okay, done that. And, then, and if you could subtract 5 from that number. And now, if A equals 1 and B equals 2, etc., could you work out what the corresponding letter is from that? There is, a, there is a meaning to this, but eventually you get there. Yeah, okay, with me. Um, and now when you think of a country beginning with that letter. I've done that. And, then, and now think of an animal beginning with the last letter of that country. And, that, and, then, and then finally... A fruit beginning with the last letter of that animal. See, I know Tony really, really well, and uh, I thought that's why I picked Tony. Yeah, so I think I'm just going to write something down here. Let's see. anything. So, Tony, I wonder if you could you can now reveal what country, what an animal and fruit you were thinking of. Bolivia. Bolivia. Okay. <laughs> and what was the fruit you were thinking of? Rhubarb. Rhubarb. <laughs> and the animal... Uh, sorry? Snake, adder. Well, it kind of proves my point, really, this evening. <laughs> because on here, obviously, I don't, I don't know Tony that well. So on here, I've written a kangaroo eating an orange in Denmark. Uh, I've, uh, see, I've got, obviously picked the wrong person, haven't I? <laughs> sorry, thanks, Tony. <laughs> It's kind of proves my point, isn't it, really, Ashley? We don't know what people are thinking. Sorry, thanks, Tony. <laughs> don't need to stand for the whole thing. We don't really know what people are thinking, do we? Even, even with manipulated questions, uh, we don't know. Uh, we might be able to guess, can't we, from a person's expression or body language. Um, for instance... Lots of you look very alert, but for all I know, you could be thinking about how long is this chat going to go on for and what's on TV tonight? I don't know. Well, in this evening's reading, 
as we're continuing in our series on in Corinthians, Paul says something similar, an obvious truth, really. Who knows what a person is thinking and planning except themselves? However, Paul then continues to say something quite remarkable. He says, it's the same with God, except that he not only knows what he's thinking, but he lets us in on it. God lets us know what he's thinking. How? How does this work? Well, before we go any further, let's, let's uh, pray and ask God to help us. In the words of Psalm 95, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray as we come to your word this evening that you will soften our hard hearts. May your spirit guide us and teach us. And may we pray that you will soften our hearts and transform our, our minds. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it. We're continuing our series in Corinthians, and it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. Uh, I don't think we've got it on the screen tonight, so uh, you may want to follow it in your Bibles, which is, uh, pa- pa- can be found on page 1145. Chapter 2, verse 6. We do, however, sorry, I just think I might have got that wrong. Yeah, sorry, I got that right. Sorry, my meant right. Yeah, chapter 2, verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, But who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, 
explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Well, I don't know about you, but there's lots of... uh, It's almost like a bit of a minefield, isn't it, this one? What is Paul getting at here? What does he mean by God's secret wisdom and having the mind of Christ? And you know, I was dwelling over on this, and I thought to help us explore this and to understand as much as we can, we're going to approach this by asking us three questions this evening. And the first one is this What is God's secret wisdom? Paul starts in verse 6, telling us what it's not, doesn't he? He says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. You see, the wisdom of this age, the wisdom of this world, has forgotten its source and creator. And because of that, it is only about the world around us, here in its broken condition. So the wisdom and the advice around here will always be about trying to do better here in this world, trying to find fulfilment here, trying to find fulfilment here. But as Paul says, it will eventually be out of date. In fact, it will come to nothing. It has no future. But Paul continues, doesn't he? He says, no, it's not worldly wisdom that he's speaking about, but God's secret wisdom. Wisdom that has its origins, isn't it, before the beginning of time. It's not the latest message, but rather the oldest. It's something that has always been true throughout the ages. So then what is it? What is this secret message, this secret wisdom? It is, of course, the message of Christ crucified. We see that, don't we, at the end of chapter 1, verse 30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Jesus is God's wisdom. And the secret that has now been revealed is that you and I, the Gentiles, the whole world can be saved through Jesus Christ. Because the irony of the gospel is that by the very same act of so-called human wisdom, God performed the greatest feat of wisdom in all the universe, didn't he? That through Jesus we can be part of God's family. And all this was destined for our glory before time began. But as Paul says in verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. If they did, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. 
You see, it's not a wisdom that the unbelieving world can ever discover or grasp. It seems utter foolishness to them. And if you were here this morning, uh, Bishop Rob pointed out that we can be intimidated, can't we, by our culture. The age of this world will say, ah, it's foolish to hold on to the Bible and the cross. You don't really believe all that stuff about God, do you? Or the Bible, you know, well, it's good in parts, but it's a bit outdated in others. In fact, just the other week, wasn't there, there was an article in one of the uh, national newspapers about how the Church of England needs to get up to date, needs to read the signs of the times if it wants to attract people. However, just as Paul reminds the church in Corinth, so too we need to be warned not to sell out to the so-called wisdom of our present age, simply because we want to be accepted by those who do not understand it. It's tempting, isn't it? Because we all want to be accepted. But we mustn't be tempted to become disconnected from God's word in order to be more attractive and friendly. For as Paul says later in verse 15, we're not to be judged by the standards of this world because we now have a totally different standards, the standards of God. Well, as you know, I often, often like, uh, quotes, and, and here's a, I found a good one from the evangelist D.L. Moody. He said, a Christian on his knees can see further than the philosopher on his tiptoes. I love that, don't you? That echoes what was said in the Old Testament uh, when the Lord said to Jeremiah, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boast, boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. So if that's wisdom, I suppose that leads to the second question I have tonight, and that if this wisdom is a secret, how is it known? After all, Paul himself says, doesn't he, quotes from Isaiah. This passage says, who... Uh, sorry, it says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. It seems that we can't get to God by our eyes or our ears or through our intelligence or however much reasoning we may have. God's hidden wisdom cannot be discovered. It's t- entirely dependent on God. See, the world doesn't understand because they can't understand. They don't see because they can't see. They don't hear because they can't hear. They are truly lost. It's a great reminder for us too, though, isn't it, that we can't argue people into the kingdom. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, oh, I need to prepare myself with all the right answers to all the sort of arguments that people might have to try and persuade perhaps non-Christian friends. Well, I think about it, if, if you can persuade someone into the, 
kingdom of God simply by human reasoning, then they can just as well as easily be persuaded out of it in the same way. But anyway, let's not get angry with a blind man because they can't see. And again, echoing Bishop Rob, what he's saying this morning, he said it's not up to us to convince people about Jesus, but to tell them about him. Let God do the rest. For it is in God's terms that he reveals himself. We're totally dependent on him. Do you see that at the end of that quote from Isaiah? It says, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. It's not for those who want to know more about him or discuss Jesus, but love him. It's not those who say, okay, okay, God, reveal yourself to me, and then I'll believe. But God reveals himself to those who humble themselves. That earlier quote from D.L. Moody, it actually goes on. It says, a Christian on his knees can, can see further than the philosopher on his tiptoes. But he goes on to say, God sends no one away empty, except those who are full of themselves. So back to the question, how is this wisdom known? Well, verse 10 gives the answer, doesn't it? But God has revealed it to us through his spirit. Nobody can access divine wisdom apart from the revelation of the Holy Spirit. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit to understand the cross. Without the Holy Spirit, we might be able to see the cross, but we will not understand it. Like that line, uh, well, the amazing, the uh, wonderful hymn, "Amazing Grace," isn't it? "Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see." You could say it's a bit like those. Um, do you remember those magic painting books? Maybe you had when uh, as a child. Uh, you know the ones I mean, where. Um, you open it up and it's just a blank picture and then you get a paintbrush with water in and go over it and it all comes out in colour. Remember those ones? It slowly reveals a colourful picture. And the exciting thing is that God is still reveals himself, doesn't he, to us as we read his word. There's something inside of us that causes us to enjoy the process of discovery finding something is often more exciting than having it, isn't it? That's why we wrap up presents, isn't it? And I think God allows us to enjoy the process of discovering who he is and the work that he is doing. I said I like quotes, but here's another one from the books Our Daily Bread. It says, don't be discouraged over what you don't know about God but be excited about unwrapping all there is yet to discover. Let's move on to the third question this evening. That is, how do we receive the mind of Christ? And what does that actually, what does it mean? 
Verse 16, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And of course the answer is no one has, has they? No one instructs God. It is he who instructs us. But, says Paul, we have the mind of Christ. How do we receive that mind? Well, through the Holy Spirit and gazing at the glories of Christ, isn't it? For as we read God's word, the Holy Spirit will help us and transform our minds to think as Jesus thinks. The Spirit transforms us from thinking like the world to thinking like Christ. Our attitude should be the same as Christ. This is what Paul says in the letter to the Philippians. And Peter also says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So having the mind of Christ enables us to see life from God's perspective. In fact, we can only truly understand life and the world through the mind of Christ. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions and experts. But it means we can properly appraise the real value of things too. Having the mind of Christ means we can understand God's plan in the world to bring glory to himself, to restore creation and provide salvation. It means we can share Christ's purpose to seek and to save the lost. And it means we can share Jesus' perspective of obedience, compassion and dependence on God. You see, it doesn't just change our minds, though, does it? You see, when our minds are transformed, then it will affect our hearts. And when our hearts are affected, it will cause us to act. It's another quote, isn't it, from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Through the mind, to the heart, to activate the will. But of course, just to clarify... Having the mind of Christ doesn't mean we will no longer make mistakes, we'll no longer sin. God does not purify us from sin so that we no longer sin, but so that we can learn to hate sin and want to be free from it. He doesn't want to make us holy so that we no longer live in the world, but he makes us holy so that we can shine in the world. So in conclusion then, well, one thing I've learned this evening is there's that saying, don't work with children, animals, and also learn not to work with Tony. I'll remember that one for next time. <laughs> Just joking. But we've learned, seriously, we've learned, haven't we, that we have the Bible, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit to teach and guide us. And we have the mind of Christ to transform us. And there's one final question, and I'll leave this to you to answer, and that is, will you use them? Will you use them tomorrow and in the week ahead? Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray that you will open the eyes of our hearts so that we might know you better. May you renew our minds so that we might know the true value of everything 
in the light of eternity. May we learn not to put our confidence in worldly wisdom, but in you. And we pray too, Lord, that you will open up the eyes of those around us, those we know who are still blind to you. We pray that they might see what we have seen and come to know the wonders of your love. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.